Here we go. Welcome aboard. We're going to kick off today's marathon. Today is a live broadcast, Tuesday, February 6, 2024. Welcome wherever you're tuning in from. And I encourage everyone out there to invite some friends to come out to the show. Uh, there's multiple ways to listen in, but the best place to send them is just send them over to our website, omegamanradio.com. 
By the way, we just updated it this week, so encourage everybody to check it out. We've got some new features on there. The magazine is up there now. Also, the deliverance map. And um, if you get them there, they'll be able to find their way. Okay, praise the Lord. Uh, Brother Joseph, welcome back. And uh, would you like to open us in prayer, my friend? Sure. Father God, we thank you for the opportunity once again to come and to uh, bring forth, Lord God, truth. Thy word is truth. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name, Lord God, for your Holy Spirit ministering, Father. Touch, Lord God, in Jesus' name. Touch the people's hearts and their minds, Father God. Open them up to truth, Father. Thank you, Father God. Open them up to truth, Lord God, with Minister Betsy bringing forth your word. Your word will not return void. We bind the hand of the enemy. We come against Satan in the name of the powers of darkness. The Lord rebuke you in Jesus' name. We just command you to loose all the hearts and minds of God's people. We come against curses, hexes, jinxes, vexes, spells, witchcraft, any demonic attack towards uh, Sister Betsy, her family, myself, my family, Brother Shan, his family, anybody who's listening. The Lord rebuke you in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Father God, for an anointing on your daughter to bring forth your Thanks. truth. Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Well, Minister Betsy Pelletieri, uh, bring forth what God has uh, for the body of Christ tonight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Okay, so, uh, as you all know, my main title is always The Goodness of God Toward Us, and the subtitle is actually Part 6 of Part Five one through five that I have already shared on the radio. And this is part six, and it's called Revealed, No Longer a Puzzle. And um, as we know, and I keep getting reminded of this truth, that Jesus always, 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 always imitated his father's ways. And God would declare something in the spiritual sense Right, and then confirm it in the natural. And I'll give you an example of that. In um, in Deuteronomy chapter eight, verse four, it says, "Thy clothes did not wax old upon thee, neither did that thy foot swell these forty years." The Lord brought them, the children of Israel, through the wilderness to get to the promised land forty years. And it says, thy clothes did not wax old upon thee, neither did thy foot swell all these 40 years. And, I, and um, also, he says it again in Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 21. It says, yea, 40 years didst thou sustain them in the wilderness, so that they lacked nothing. Their clothes waxed not old, and their feet did not swell. Now, what spiritual truth was God demonstrating to the children of Israel. What he was demonstrating, why, why he caused their clothes not to wear out and their feet to swell during that time, because he was bringing forth a spiritual truth, which is in Isaiah chapter 63, verses 7 through 9. And, um, oh, actually, I don't even have my Bible with me right now, but um, I, I would love for you guys to write it down, or if, Brother Shannon, if you might have that 
scripture handy, Isaiah 63, 7 to 9. That would be great. Um, But what it says is, he carried them in his bosom. God carried them. Spiritually speaking, he was carrying them. And they, he wanted them to know that he was carrying them. So he proved it <laughs> by not having their clothes wear out and their feet swell during this whole time. And that's what, what God does. He declares something and he proves it in the natural. And, and Jesus did the same thing. He said, he said that he is the resurrection and the life. And what did he do? He, he asked Martha, you know, do you believe that Lazarus would be resurrected? And she said, yes, Lord, I do believe that in, you know, when the time comes, he will be resurrected. And Jesus said, no, Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. And he proved it by raising Lazarus from the dead. And so what I'm going to bring forth tonight is that Jesus is literally the fulfillment of the word of God, which sounds like such a cliche, like, yeah, yeah, we know that. But it's literally really true. Like just as his father fulfilled in the natural what he was saying in the spiritual, Jesus did the same thing. He fulfilled what his father said and what his father did and in john chapter 12 and it was six days before the passover jesus came to bethany to the house of lazarus now they were making a supper for jesus and it says then mary lazarus's sister took a pound of ointment of spikenard which was very very costly and what she did was she anointed the feet of Jesus and, and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house, it says the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. And then Judas Iscariot, the one who would betray Jesus, he got all indignant and puffed up and, you know, arrogant. And he said he was angry with this with her and said, why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? You know, he came off so self-righteous like that. And, and the word says he said this, not because he had at all any care for the poor, but because he was a thief. Now, the interesting thing that I thought is interesting that Jesus knew, Jesus knew that Judas was a thief all along. He knew but he never said anything because he also knew that this also was part of the fulfillment of the word of God. And so he said this because he was a thief and he kept the money bag and took what was in the money bag. (laughs) And then Jesus said, this is what Jesus said when he said that, let her alone against the day of my burying. Has she kept this for the, For the poor, always, you have with you, but me, you have not always. So I was thinking, well, I know that Jesus always did and said what his father did and said. And so what, when he said that, when he said that, for the poor, always, you have with you, but me, you have not always. 
what was Jesus thinking when he said that? Now, so because we know that he was always saying what his father said and what what he was what he was saying right then was he was quoting from the Torah. He was quoting Deuteronomy 15:11 which literally says and I quote for the poor shall never cease out of the land. And that's what he was given back. He was saying that he always he always rebuked with the word of God when he was in, in you know being tempted in the wilderness. He rebuked Satan with the word of God. Here's another one. In Matthew chapter 15, verse 8, Jesus said, This people, talking about the Jews, draw, uh, draw near unto me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And his father said the same exact thing in Isaiah 29, verse 13. It says, and I quote, wherefore the Lord said, for as much as this people, the Jews, draw near me with their mouth and with their lips do honor me, but have removed their heart far from me, and their fear toward me is taught by the precept of men. And this is what he continually did. Everything he did, everything he said was what his father did or said. And Jesus, he had the marks in his resurrected body in his hands from the impaled nails, which were driven in his hands to crucify him. We, we also, we know from God's word that we also were crucified with him. And in Romans, Chapter 6, verse 6, it says, knowing this, well, when he says knowing this, he means he wants us to know this, knowing this, that our old man, our sinful nature is crucified with him, that the body of sin be destroyed, that henceforth we not serve sin. Our sin was crucified with his pain. We were and are imprinted into his scars. If we were crucified with him, we are imprinted into the very scars of his hands. And we know that Jesus, Jesus is the very fulfillment of every single word his father said or did. I'm going to keep on repeating that because it has to be repeated so we really get it as this is real truth. And so if we are crucified with Christ and we are imprinted in the nail scars on his hands, it must be confirmed somewhere in the word. And it is, it's a, it's a fulfilled in the declaration in Isaiah 49 verse 16. This is so cool. It says, behold, I have, oh, I love it. I have graven thee upon the palms of my hands. Thy walls are continually before me. So here it is again. I mean, all through the scriptures, we find that Jesus is doing what his father did or saying what his father said. 
And it's so much fun to find these places. And in John, the Gospel of John, chapter 20, verse 25, the doubting apostle Thomas, who said that he would not, he was not there, he wasn't present when Jesus appeared to the other apostles. And they went and told him, we saw the Lord, he appeared before us. And he, I mean, after all that time spending with Jesus, seeing his signs, miracles, and wonders, and Thomas is saying, yeah, right. And unless I see and feel with, with, with my own hands the imprint of the nail. I really want to emphasize this. He wants to emphasize this. Jesus appeared to him and told him to reach out and touch the imprints of the scars. And then... Thomas declared, my Lord and my God, and here is the most awesome response that Jesus came back with. And he said, Thomas, because you have seen, you believe, but blessed are they that have not seen and yet believe. And who's he talking about? That's us. We have not seen, we did not see the imprint of the scars in his hand, but we believe. And Jesus came to reconcile us back to God. He came to redeem us from the curse of the law. He had to fulfill everything, everything that was in the law. Can you imagine? Jesus had to fulfill everything that was in the law. It was necessary that he should be crucified on that tree. Why? It wasn't like just purely by accident that that's how they wound up killing him. It had to be on that tree. Why? Because he took our sin and redeemed us from the curse of the law being made a curse for us. For it is written. And here is the fulfillment. This is what he was fulfilling. It says in the Torah, in Deuteronomy 21, cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. And it, and it says that in regard to the laws of death by hanging, his, his body shall not remain all night upon the tree, but thou shalt in any wise bury him that day for, and here it is, because he that is hanged is accursed of God. So he became a curse for us. And when Jesus was crucified, you and I were sealed within the imprints of his nail scars. So that once again, I say this scripture may be fulfilled in Isaiah forty nine sixteen. Behold, I have graven me. It's a spiritual thing he's saying, but an actual physical thing happened. I have graven me upon the palms of my hands. And in the Gospel of Luke 24, 13, two of Jesus' disciples were walking down the road to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem, about three score furlongs, which I looked up, and that is actually seven and a half miles. They were walking from Jerusalem, and they, these two guys were talking together of all the things which had happened. 
And it came to pass that while they were, they communed together and reasoned, and that word reason really struck out at me because that's what humans do. They reason amongst each other to try to figure out what's going on and what the deal is and how could this be and how could that be. And it, it says, and it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but they did not recognize him. God with, with, withheld the knowledge that it was Jesus. They didn't see that it was Jesus. It says, but their eyes were holden that they should not know him. And Jesus said to them, hmm, hey, guys, what manner of communication are these that you have one to another? You know, in other words, what are you guys talking about? And the one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answering, said unto him, Are thou only a stranger in Jerusalem and has not known the things which are come to pass there in these days? In other words, Cleopas was saying to Jesus, Are you serious? You don't know what things have been happening here in Jerusalem around here? And Jesus said, what things? And they said unto him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. But we, we were trusting that it had been him which should have redeemed Israel. And they were thinking in very earthly terms, like that, you know, Jesus was going to just wipe out the Romans and they were going to have rule. And, and, and they said, and besides all this, today is the third day since these things were done. Yay. And certain women also of our company made us astonished, which were early at the sepulcher. And when they found not his body, they came to us saying that they had also seen a vision of angels, which said that he was alive, that he was not there. And certain of them, which were with us, they went to the sepulcher. They wanted to check it out for themselves. And they found it even so as the women had said, but him, they saw not. Now, they're, they're telling all this to Jesus, right? And then Jesus said unto them, O oh, fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses, and all the prophets, he expounded unto them and all the scriptures, the things concerning himself, which his father said. And they drew nigh unto the village where they were going, and he made as though he would have gone further, but they constrained him, saying, no, 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 please come and stay with us. 
It, you know, it's getting late. The, the day is far spent. You know, they were very hospitable in those days because it was a sign of being a righteous person if you were hospitable to a stranger. And so they said, abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he knew he was going in anyway. He went in, and it, the word says he went in to tarry with them, and it came to pass. As he sat at the dinner table with them, he took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. Now, I really, truly believe at that point when he did that, they had like a photographic flashback memory of him doing that at the last supper that they had with him. And it says as as soon as he broke the bread and blessed it, and he gave it to them, it says, and their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished out of their sight. And I was thinking, like, you know, if that was you or me sitting at that table, and that happened, what would be the first thing out of our mouth? Would it not be, holy moly, did you see that vanishing act well he just disappeared but that's not what they said they the first thing they said was did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way and while he opened to us the scriptures i mean they i can't even and the joy just imagine the joy that they had. I mean, here they were with him all the time for three years while he, they, they were hanging out all together and they loved him and they, they did believe, but they also had questions and doubt. I mean, even, you know, John the Baptist, when he was in jail, you know, he sent messages with the disciples saying, please go, ask Jesus, are you the one, or shall we look for another? Now, this is John the Baptist saying this to his cousin, about his cousin. He knew he was the one who said, behold, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the, the world. This is John, who baptized Jesus. And he says, Ask Jesus, are you the one? Are you truly the Messiah? Or do we look for another? And Jesus must have, you know, when he heard that, he must have got this big smile on his face. And he said to the disciples, go, tell John the things that you see and the things that you hear, how the blind receive their sight, the lame are walking, the deaf are hearing. And he <laughs> he sent that message back to John, knowing that John, when he heard that, that he was going to rejoice in his spirit, knowing for sure, without a doubt, that yes, Jesus is the Messiah. And he had that. You know, I just recently saw um, series four of The Chosen. And at that, they did such a good job with that. And just when John was about to be beheaded, he, 
in the movie, he, he, he's looking out of the window of the jail and up on the hill in his eyes vision, there is a lamb, a lamb. And he just like looked at that lamb and said, thank you, Jesus, for that sign. And then he was beheaded with joy. <laughs> and um, in Matthew 7, verse 15, um, it tells his followers how to recognize those who truly are of God. And he says, by their fruits, you shall know them. By their fruits, you shall know them. And, and then he says, not everyone that says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils? And in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. Now, once again, all things that are in the natural have a spiritual application, and everything that God the Father said, Jesus picked up on, and he said it also. So just, oh, this is so cool. Just as it says in Genesis, that Adam, in the natural, knew his wife, and she conceived and brought forth fruit of the womb, a baby. Adam, what is this, this scripture is saying, literally, he is telling us what the definition of new is, to know somebody. Adam knew his wife Eve, and she conceived and brought forth a baby. Adam What does it mean to know? Adam had intimate relations with Eve to the end result of bringing forth fruit of the womb. So Jesus was using his father's language. And he was also saying, you people who are saying all these great things that you did in my name, you did not have intimate relationship with me to the end result of bringing forth fruit of the spirit. Hence, he said in verse 20, wherefore, by their fruits, you shall know them. So the only way we can have fruit of the spirit is by cultivating an intimate relationship with the Lord and his word and the fruits of the spirit. They are mentioned in Galatians chapter five. Um, in, in, and also in contrast to the works of the flesh, there's the works of the flesh and which leads to death and spiritual death and eternal damnation. And then there's the fruits of the spirit which is love, peace, joy, kindness, temperance, long-suffering, gentleness. And there is no law. This is the, it says against such, 
there is no law. There, no, there is no law. There's nobody who could um, say, okay, you broke, the, you broke the law of being kind. You broke the law by being gentle. You broke the law by being patient. Now, against such, there is no law. And this is what Jesus set us free from the law of sin and death. Into, and, he, and he says, stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has made you free. And let me tell you, there, the, Satan is so subtle. He even changes little tiny words around to take away the power of God. Now, I read today, like in, in the King James Version, which if there's anybody out there listening to me right now who is not using the King James Version, I would highly, highly recommend that you just put aside whatever version you are using and use the King James. I'm going to tell you why it's so important. Because it says that Christ has made us free. In other versions, it says that Christ has set us free. Now, listen, let me give you an example, you know, of a slave. A slave could be set free, you know, but he could also be, you know, recaptured, right? Like, uh, that's what Pharaoh tried to do with the children of Israel. He, He set them free but he tried to regain them back again. But he couldn't because God destroyed Pharaoh and his army. And that's what Jesus did. He destroyed the works of the wicked one. So let me tell you, a a slave could be set free, but then their master could come and recapture them again. Why? Because they're still a slave. They still have that title of a slave. You know, it wasn't until the emancipation of proclamation that said, no, you cannot do that to a freed slave because you'll be breaking the law if you did that. But so they were made free, made free, not just we are made free, not just simply set free. And so it says in a couple of places where Jesus made us free. And in other versions, I was reading in the New International Version today, in Galatians 5.1, stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has, it said, set you free. No, 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 no. No. In the King James Version, it says, Christ has made you free. He made us a new creation. He didn't, like, set us, like, up as a new creation. He made us a new creation in him, something that, you know, was never done before. In fact, the creation that he made us is 
is going to make the angel say, wow, look at that. that the angels are going to understand what Christ did through what? Through us, because they, they are beholding a new creation. And so it's really important to know the integrity of God's word and who we are in Christ, because it's all about our, our identity. If we don't know who we are, how can we possibly be who we are meant to be? We have to know who we are. And that was the first thing that Satan tried to tempt Jesus with, if you be the son of God. Now, Jesus had just been baptized by John, heard the voice of his father saying, you are my beloved son. He, his identity was God's son. And Satan, first thing he says, if you be the son of God, turn these stones into bread. And Jesus didn't say, I am so, I am so, I am so. <laughs> you know, like, no, that wasn't the way he, he operated. He gave him the word of God in, in specific. It's like sharper than any two-edged sword. He said, if you be the son of God, turn these stones into bread. And Jesus said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. He just, God's word is a two-edged sword piercing even asunder of bone and marrow and the thoughts and intents of, of, of a person's heart. If you want to know, the, you know, find out a person's heart, give them the word of God and you see what their reaction is. If, if they react like, oh, wow, that's beautiful, then you know who you're talking to. They're hearing you. They're hearing they're hearing the spirit of God. But if they react not that way, then you know the thoughts and intents of their heart because God's word is a sharper than a two-edged sword dividing even between the thoughts and intents of the heart. And so I praise God for God's word and I encourage whosoever is out there that you're even wondering, is there really truth? Like with a big capital T, something that, that you could totally, completely, completely depend on. And if you know that you could completely depend on something, you know what that causes? It causes rest to your soul. And that's what we were, we were, created to have a restful soul. You know, he, it says he leads us by still waters. It's rest. God's word, God's spirit, God's life within us is rest to us. So there is no rest outside of God's Holy Spirit within us. Total rest. We he says, cease from your works and rest in me. Because he has given us everything that pertains to life and godliness. Everything. And he has also given us the ministry 
of reconciliation to lead others. It's like picture yourself saying, come on, follow, follow me because I want to lead you to those still waters. And it's only in Christ Jesus that we could do that. So I praise God for his word. And, and I thank God for every ear that's listening to this word right now that, that God's Holy Spirit will chug on your spirit and your mind to seek after his word and him. Amen. So, Reverend Betsy, would you please offer a prayer and explanation of salvation? And also then, uh, you you did pray that it would touch the believers. So um, why don't you just do that for me, please? Well, the salvation is, it's so simple. We are born. Everybody is born into this life as, as cute as you are as a baby, as cute as those babies are. You're born with a sin nature, and it doesn't take very long to see that spirit of rebellion in a baby. And nobody, nobody is born without a sin nature because of the disobedience of Adam, but then God sent his son as the second Adam to shed his blood to take away. I mean, he always used blood. He always commanded his people. This is, I, I need a blood sacrifice that the high priest would offer the blood of an innocent lamb that did not have any blemishes, no malfunctions, no, you know, no broken legs or, you know, scurvy or anything like that. They had to have a perfect lamb to offer blood to, before the, the high priest offered it on the altar of God. And, but the thing is, their sins were covered, only covered for, until the next year. But God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to shed his pure, innocent blood as the perfect lamb of God once and for all. There is no more sacrifice for sin. And he has done that for all who would simply believe and accept the free gift of salvation. That's all you have to do is say, Lord, I believe you that I, I know that I have a sin nature and I'm, and, and ask him to come into your heart to, to cleanse you, to take away that sin, sinful nature. And God will lead you on a glorious path as you are living and moving in him, as you are being the saved, according to his word. And so that's, that's all you have to do. It's, it's really simple. And I praise God that it's simple. He has chosen simple people to believe. And he says, unless you receive the things of the kingdom of God as a little child, you won't be able to receive them. So it, it is simple. And that's what makes it so hard for intellectual people to receive such a simple thing but it is also for intellectual people if they will humble themselves 
and receive the good news of the gospel. So I, I, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ to draw those who are hearing the simplicity of his word, those who want true, true rest for their soul. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. What a powerful message you. tonight. If you just powerful message called "Revealed," no longer a puzzle with Minister Betsy Pelletieri. Hallelujah, Brother Joseph. Uh, would you like to take communion tonight? Oh, oh yes, um, yes, uh, Brother Shannon. Uh, this is what we do. Fantastic. We're going to do that here in just a few minutes. If anybody out there would like to take communion, this is the time to get your bread and your juice or your wine ready. And uh, before we do, though, Sister Betsy, if someone would like to contact you in your ministry, how can they do that? You can call me on my cell phone, which is 518-368-9374. Or my my email address is I'll spell it my first and last name at Gmail B E T S Y P E L L I T T E R I at Gmail dot com. Fantastic. And brother Joseph, how do people reach you in your ministry? Yes, brother Shannon, they'd like to um uh, so I'd like to send an email. If you go to uh, Brother Joe at newhopeinthelord.com and um, they'd like to uh, see our uh, website. It's uh, a lot of good things on the website. It's um, newhopeinthelord.com and under the menu, uh, one of the things we have there is YouTube channel. And you can go on a YouTube channel, ask you to subscribe, please. And we have over 350 testimonies of people coming to Christ and God's goodness. And both Betsy Pelletieri and Shannon Davis are on the uh, YouTube channel, so you could... Um, just put them in and uh, watch their, their testimonies. Uh, praise God. And if you'd like to send us uh, an offering, uh, we appreciate that. Uh, through Zell. Um, it's rev.joseph uh, at aol.com. And if you want to send a, a check in the mail, it would go to New Hope. In the Lord, P.O. Box 418, Valhalla, V-A-L-H-A-L-L-A, New York 10595. Fantastic. Again, newhopeinthelord.com. Well, welcome, everybody. This is a live broadcast here on Tuesday, February 6, 2024. And um, we read a verse from... The Bible, that is our instruction for taking communion. There's several verses, but I'm going to read one from Luke 22 tonight. It says, And Jesus took bread, 
and gave thanks and break it and gave unto them, saying, This is my body which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. Likewise also the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you. So when you take communion, what you're doing is you're meeting with the Lord Jesus Christ at his table. And we're remembering his mission that he came and accomplished. He came, gave his life, shed his blood. There is no forgiveness of sins without the remission of, excuse me, there is no remission of sins without the shedding of blood, rather. And he gave his life for you and I, paid the price of our sins, that if we would believe on him, we could be saved. He rose again on the third day. Now we seat at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for you and I until the, the Father sends him back to rule and reign from Mount Zion. That'll be in Jerusalem. We're all headed to Jerusalem if we're in the Lord Jesus Christ. You better be there at the end or you didn't make it. I want to be there. And communion will prepare you to be ready to meet the Lord because when you come meet the Lord, uh, you don't want to come unprepared. You want to come having dealt with any sin that has not been dealt with previously. So if you've got any unconfessed sins tonight, if you're going to take communion, you want to repent of those, ask Jesus to forgive you. Of course, if we want him to extend mercy and forgive us, we also have to extend mercy to others and forgive them. If you're not willing to forgive someone who's transgressed against you, then don't think that the Lord is going to forgive you and I. Jesus said, if you do not forgive men, neither will my Father in heaven forgive you. Someone recently did me wrong. But you know what? I had to forgive them. Otherwise, I can't receive forgiveness when I sin. So I forgave that person. And that means I don't remember the sin anymore. I wiped it away. So praise the Lord. So when uh, you come to meet the Lord at the, at the communion table, and you should do it often, it's a dress rehearsal for meeting Him in the flesh. And if you say, well, I'm not ready to, to take communion tonight, well, that's fine. You can take it next time. But you need to think about it. If you died tonight, would you be ready to meet Jesus? So if you're not ready to meet Jesus, you need to get your affairs in order and deal with sin and unforgiveness or any of these other issues so that when the Spirit comes out of your body, you go before the Lord. You're ready to meet Him because it would be too late to get prepared at that time. That's why I call communion, again, a dress rehearsal for meeting the Lord uh, because if you come and meet Him and you're not ready, you don't get the blessing, you get the curse. Do not take communion if you're not ready to meet Jesus. Have repented of your sins and forgiven others. But if you are ready, then come and join us for communion, and there's a blessing at the Lord's table. There we are. Brother Joseph, back to you. Amen. And um, when we drink the cup, uh, we say, Hail to my King Jesus um, three times in honor of the Trinity. Father God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, um, we honor them. And then one time we say, Hail to um, my King Jesus, which is worldwide, those that are taking communion. And as we take communion, you can believe God for miracles and healings and so forth and so on. So as we take communion, I'm going to pray. Uh, for two people individually that I know um, have been attacked by the enemy. So, um, hallelujah. Baruch atah 
Elheinu melech olam, hamotzi lechem min ha'aretz. Blessed art thou, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who commands us to eat bread from the earth. Father God, we thank you for your broken body in Jesus' name, Lord God. Father God, because we have a right, Lord God, you left us the New Testament, which is a will. A testament is a will. And in the will, Lord God, Father, all your children, Father God, have what your will says. And if we believe it and we receive it. And one of the things in your will is, Father God, that you bore sickness and diseases upon your body. And by your stripes, Father God, we, we were healed, are healed, and will be healed. Healing is the children's bread. When we leave this earth, Father God, we should just leave by closing our eyes, and that's it. No pain, no sickness, no disease. So we take authority over it in the name of Jesus. I take authority over the sickness in Linda Crystal's body in the name of Lord Jesus Christ. I rebuke the flu and the, the coronavirus at the same time in the name of Jesus. Command you to lose her body now in the name of Jesus. Command that cough to go. Command her lungs to be healed, to be whole in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. We thank you for that, Lord. We thank you, Father, for the resurrected power of Christ touching her, Lord God, in Jesus' name. Also, John Tatora, Father God, who has a mass on his lungs, Lord God. Father God, we thank you for the healing virtue of Calvary, touching John now, Father. He will not die but live and declare the works of the Lord. We curse that tumor on his lungs in the name of Jesus, command us to die. And Father, in Jesus' name, Sister Evelyn Metzger, Lord God, the enemy is trying to attack her again with that Lyme disease. We curse that pains and tightness in her head in the name of Jesus Christ. And as we command those migraine headaches to stop, in the name of Lord Jesus Christ. And we speak forth healing to anybody else's body, spiritually, physically, mentally, emotionally, and even financially, Father God. You died for the whole man. We speak forth healing in Jesus' name. We thank you, Father God, as we partake with the broken body of our Lord Jesus Christ. In your name, amen. God, King of the Universe, who commands us to drink fruit from the vine. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. Hallelujah. Drink juice from the vine. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hail to my King Jesus. Hail to my King Jesus. Hail to my King King Jesus. Jesus. Hail to our King Jesus. Thank you, Lord. There's power in your blood, healing in your blood, deliverance in your blood, faith faith in your blood, hope in your blood, peace in your blood, joy in your blood, love in your blood, mercy in your blood, and great grace in your blood. What can wash away our sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make us whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oppress us is the flow that makes us white as snow. We thank you, Father, for white as snow because of your blood. You threw our sins into the sea of forgetfulness, and you remember them no more. As far as the east is from the west, so is our sins forgiven, Lord God. We thank you, Father God, that the eraser that you use to forgive our sins thank that you, stretch from, Father God, from Maine to California is your broken body and your shed blood. 
So we thank you for that, Lord. We thank you for building up our immune system as we take communion, even now. We put a wall of fire around us, Zechariah 2.5, Father God, protecting us from any coronavirus, any influenza, any diseases, any sickness. If it comes towards us, it will hit you, the wall of fire, and die. So we thank you, Father God. We do remember, Father, the cross and your shed blood, Father, when you hung on the cross like a piece of meat. He who knew sin became sin, so we... Father, could be the righteousness of God. We are righteousness in you, Lord, because of your sacrificial gift, free, eternal salvation in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's partake with the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ for his glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank Brother you, Joseph, Amen. Brother Betsy, Hallelujah. Bro- Sister Betsy, Brother Joseph, Hallelujah. thank you very much for coming on tonight. A powerful thank word. Thank you. I also want to thank Marina Basic for letting her play, let us play that song, and uh, we'll be getting this Amen. up in the next hour, and I'll be sending you a copy. God bless you both very much for coming on tonight. Okay, love thank you, you. God bless you, Sister Betsy. Another powerful message. God bless you. Praise God. Love you guys. Love you too. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. Folks, we'll be back here in just a minute. 